It is a football Friday, week four edition, and maybe the best team in the league is the assignment. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Zach Gershman joins me. We preview Sunday's game against the undefeated 49ers. That includes heading into enemy territory for a deeper look at the opponent. Also, injury concerns at wide receiver and once again at defensive line. Plus, what does Zach know about an emotional support alligator? Yeah, you heard me right. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 679, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a five. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. Okay, Philly guy, can you please explain this? Some Philadelphia Phillies fan tried to enter a game this week at Citizens Bank Park with an alligator, an emotional support alligator named Wally. <laughs> That's not normal here. It has to be only in Philadelphia, right? Only in Philadelphia. I mean, listen, at, thank, thankfully the alligator was left on the outside because I think a lot of people would have been scared <laughs> and would have ran away. But the Phillies clinched, and they're likely going to be playing the Arizona Diamondbacks, so I already put it out on my personal oh, Twitter wow. account, at Zach Gershman, even though everybody here should follow at <laughs> Zach AZ Cards for the Cardinals information. But I already said that. I, I don't care. I'm sticking with the hometown squad. I, I love the Cardinals. Don't get me wrong. But the Diamondbacks, eh, I'm st- still go Phils. Okay, I can appreciate that. Now the better question is, do I, during media availability, post-practice mm-hmm. on Friday, do I ask Kaiser White about this? I'm sure. Listen, I'm sure Zach he's gone to a, about this. I'm sure he's gone to a couple of Phillies a, there, games. There's a there's an emotional support alligator named Wally. This is a, this is a thing in Philadelphia. Listen, they would have asked where was he during the <laughs> Super Bowl run, and maybe that's what would have pushed the Philadelphia Eagles to a Super Bowl championship. I don't know, but I I you know what you mentioned to me when we were walking down about Wally. And I didn't even know that the alligator's name was Wally. <laughs> Has his own but, social media account. Does it really? Like plural. This is a thing. Accounts. Yes, accounts, plural. Wow. Yeah. All right, now I got to go follow it. Only if it follows me back. <laughs> That's what I'm going to look for. But no, I mean, I thought it was, I saw it on social media. I acknowledged it. I continued on scrolling. It's normal in Philadelphia. I mean, I'm surprised it's only been, it's 2023. We're about to wrap up 2023 almost. And it's taken this long for an emotional alligator to come about. Got to wonder what Eagles fans will try to sneak in when the Cardinals play them later this season a lot more than just an alligator i'm sure yeah their, their affirmation and their love for jonathan gannon is not the the strongest to say the least something that jg has acknowledged himself so what are they going to bring in <laughs> i don't know it's new year's eve maybe it's some yeah, that's gifts. The thing. good well, thing we'll is see. it's an afternoon game and not a night game in philadelphia on that december 31st yeah listen i would ooh, that'd, that'd be cool though speaking of, i'll be there for that one are you traveling, I'm to, traveling philadelphia? to that one okay so that that's going to be exciting. Good to know. Now, speaking of Jonathan Gannon, mm-hmm. I thought a tremendous exchange on Friday during Gannon's pre-practice presser between yourself and the head coach. Cardinals on Sunday, if you don't know, play their first NFC West 
game of the season. They're at the 49ers on October 1st, this Sunday. 125 is the kickoff. That means pregame coverage begins at 8.30 a.m. on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And division games just kind of hit a bit different. Once again, though, our head coach is just a little bit different when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, I asked him straight up. I said, JG, do you approach this game week any differently knowing that it's a divisional opponent? No. And literally, oh, next question. Literally, Bird Gang, that was it. That was the only thing that was said. And and the people back at home, they can't see, but he gave a little like head tilt like the other way. Like, <laughs> like I'm like, done with you, Zach. Like, I'm done. I'm going to look next for question. Else. Next question. You know what? I, last week on Wednesday, I got a great question, Zach, out of JG when I asked him about Marco Wilson was very critical of his performance against the Giants and then took a little bit of a jump against the Cowboys. And I asked him as, as a head coach, how much do you appreciate when a guy is critical of themselves when they're watching film? And what does that say about their football character? And he said, great question, Zach, and, and gave a great answer for it. This time it was just no <laughs> and a head tilt. So you know what? You, you win some, you lose some. I guess that's the, the beauty of this industry. But it does show you, like post-game Sunday after beating the Cowboys, how, not in the moment, but Gannon is always moving forward. And no game is any bigger than the next game. The next game is always the most important game. Yep. But this game is not any bigger than last week or two weeks from now, only that it's this week's opponent in the undefeated 49ers the one that you're preparing for is the one that's the most important and regardless of I mean last week the Cowboys were in the conversation with the 49ers as being one of the best teams in the NFL the Cardinals shut down that noise and they came away with the 28-16 victory the 49ers currently are number two in the NFL's power rankings they would be number one if Miami Dolphins didn't decide to you know put up a basketball score of 70 points um, college basketball score. Yes. We're not going. We're not going NBA yet. But they, uh, you know, never say never with Mike McDaniel's is what it seems like. But he, JG's very focused on the task at hand. It's it's another game where you're stepping between those white lines and you got to be prepared to win it. So he's not looking at it any differently. And can't say we won't look at it any differently. But we will dive into the matchup further a little bit later on here on Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We'll be joined by 49ers team reporter Lindsey Polaris. Had a conversation with her earlier in the week. But first things first, and that is the injury reports on Friday. And some bad news, uncertain news, and good news on the injury front. So let's start with the bad news, what we know. Jonathan Ledbetter, who has not practiced at all this week with a finger injury, has been ruled out of the game. And Zach, this is now the third straight week that the Cardinals' defensive line has been hit with an injury. Hopefully, this Ledbetter injury is not as serious as Collier and Watkins, both LJ Collier and Carlos Watkins on IR after biceps injuries that required surgery. Not expecting either of those players back this season. Fingers crossed, though, and Gannon did mention that he was hopeful that Ledbetter would be able to return next week. I'm just going to say that's so wrong for the fingers crossed when Jonathan Ledbetter <laughs> has yeah, a finger injury. It's okay. Listen, <laughs> when, it, when it comes down to it, Jonathan Ledbetter, that's that's a big loss for this defensive line. Obviously, LJ Collier and Carlos Watkins were big losses as well, but Jonathan Ledbetter, Jonathan Ledbetter has kind of been the heart and soul of that defensive line. And in our mic'd up clips and sights and sounds, you see him in the face of everybody trying to rally this team around him and, and the entire unit as a whole. And that unit has taken lots of different hits. 
Jonathan Ledbetter and Kevin Strong have been kind of wants to stand strong throughout this first three weeks, and now Jonathan Ledbetter's out, and Kevin Strong's the only one remaining from that first game against the Washington Commanders that that was on that defensive line. It's it's very it's a shame that it's happening. Um, you don't expect for it to be as serious as LJ's or Carlos Watkins because Jonathan Gannett said hopefully he'll be back next week, but still definitely a loss, and that's why you got to look at the act, the elevation of Roy Lopez and Dante Stills and Ben Stilley. They're going to probably be out there a lot more than normal. Strong earned high praise from Gannon on Friday, playing well, versatile. They can move him around along that defensive line, so he becomes your main guy on that defensive line along with a lucky Fotu. The team did mm-hmm. add Roy Lopez, trending in the direction that he will be in uniform on Sunday. And then you got to wonder, all right, Eric Banks, Ben Stilley, Jacob Slade, three defensive linemen on the practice squad, do one or a couple different players get elevated. We've already seen Banks and Stilley elevated earlier in the season, but you do like that rotation of five active defensive linemen. And, of course, it also depends on that week's game plan. But what we've seen so far in these first three weeks is you want a healthy rotation of five and hopefully – Knock on wood, all five stay healthy. With how physical that position is as well, you ex- you want to be able to rotate them out as much as possible. You do have the formations where you could put four outside linebackers, four edge rushers, and try to get to the passer. So they have that ability, but you can't put that out there every single play. Otherwise, the 49ers, uh, 49ers offense, which Jonathan Gannon said is, quote, the best in the world, truthfully, is they're, they're going to be able to manipulate that without a shadow of a doubt. So being able to have that healthy rotation of defensive linemen coming in and out and also messing up the timing a little bit for the offensive line that the 49ers have by putting so many different personnel and by putting so many different players out there is crucial, but you cannot replace a Jonathan Ledbetter who's been taking a lot of the load for LJ and Carlos Watkins. Ledbetter through three games, 141 snaps. Mm -hmm. So he has been a integral parts of that defensive front and the Cardinals will not have him on Sunday. Now I mentioned bad news, uncertain news, good news. The uncertain news is Hollywood Brown. Never good when a player pops up on the injury report midweek. Brown in practice on Thursday limited by a thumb injury as we speak here on this Friday. No determining factor or designation as far as what his status is going to be for Sunday but Devil's advocate here, let's just plan for the worst and figure, all right, you do not have Hollywood Brown or a less than 100% Hollywood Brown. Now you got to look elsewhere, that next man up mentality. Is that Zach Paschal, who has played limited snaps on offense but is more of that prototypical prototypical outside wide receiver given that is he's six feet, mm-hmm. two inches tall. Now the other offense or the wide receiver that's on the roster we have not seen play an offensive snap is Greg Dortch, but he is more of an inside guy a la Rondell Moore. So curious what happens, whether it's a limited or you don't have Hollywood at all, what this Cardinals offense does. You would hope that it's limited more than none out of Hollywood Brown. Whatever you could do to get number two out onto the field, you want to be able to do. But health and safety is first and foremost a priority. So it's never a good sign when you have him or Keontae Ingram both heading onto the on the injured report list on a Thursday, especially with Friday not being as intensive a work day and then Saturday being the mock game. You 
you never wait to see that stuff happen, especially because Josh Dobbs has found Hollywood Brown in the back of the end zone quite a little bit. And that was a exciting moment in the game last Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys when Josh Dobbs was facing pressure and he found Hollywood Brown in a place that probably only Hollywood Brown would be able to reel the ball in on this team. But you're going to expect to see probably a Greg Dortch more than a Zach Pascal, I think, because of the speed. You need somebody to replace the speed that Hollywood Brown brings, and Greg Dortch is able to do that more than Zach Pascal. But if you want to have a bigger wide receiver set, then you have Michael Wilson on one side, you have Zach Pascal on the other side, and against the 49ers, whose cornerbacks aren't the biggest, that could be helpful. Depends on the game plan. Again, determines who becomes that wide receiver that you want on the field. It's a good point you make, Zach, as far as do you want the speed Mm -hmm. or do you want that physicality to perhaps help in the blocking scheme for that particular series or that particular first quarter, second quarter, or whatever whatever point in the game. So that's the situation, the uncertainty. And you also brought the uncertainty with Keontae Ingram, but there is some good news, and that is running back James Conner, who was a full participant on Thursday after being excuse me after being limited on Wednesday and even Connor when he addressed the media post practice on Thursday said yeah he's he's good he's fine despite then he said how are you he did he was <laughs> he's very polite to everyone he was dealing with a back issue a couple of weeks ago it was a calf so just something to pay attention to and i always say pay attention to what this team does on Saturday what roster moves are made who gets elevated is a is it a defensive lineman is it a wide receiver, maybe a taller one like a Caden Davis or Jeff Smith? Or is it a running back and you have Corey Clement on mm-hmm. the practice squad? Those roster moves on Saturday kind of give you a window into the seriousness of an injury that happened during the week. Exactly. And when it comes down to the running back spot, Corey Clement is not a you when you when you have if you do decide not to play Keontae Ingram, if his injury is that severe bringing up a guy like Corey Clement, a former Super Bowl champion, and somebody that was really competing with him for that RB2 slot, it's not necessarily much of a drop-off. And Keontae and Amari DeMarcado both have not had many touches throughout the first three games. And when they have had touches, it hasn't been for a long length of amount of yards. For the first two games, Keontae Ingram couldn't get even into the positives, really, in terms of the amount of yards he was able to rack in. So, in that case, you, you never want to see a guy go out, especially when he's been playing with that first-team, second-team offense as much as Keontae has been playing. But it's not going to be as much of a drop-off with Corey. When it comes to the other positions, it just it's just a matter of how you utilize it in the game plan, as you mentioned. Again, that's how we see things, hear things on this Friday, and we'll see if that changes as we get closer and closer to game day on Sunday. All right, let's check in on the 49ers. Again, they are one of three teams that are 3-0 and so far this season. And we had a chance, or I had a chance on Thursday to talk with Lindsey Polaris with the 49ers team reporter. We spoke on Thursday, and the news had just been announced that Christian McCaffrey had just been named NFC Offensive Player of the Week. So that's where our conversation began. Just how much better is McCaffrey now after a full offseason with the 49ers? You know, I think that no one was fully expecting just how supercharged he would be in 2023 just because he was so excellent in 2022. But Like you said, it has just been accolade after accolade after accolade for Christian McCaffrey after spending a whole offseason with the San Francisco 49ers. 
He's the NFL rushing yards leader. Um, he's won back-to-back uh, FedEx ground player of the week nods. Uh, he's matched Jerry Rice's franchise record of 12 straight games with scoring a touchdown and also reached a big career milestone against the Giants. Uh, he hit that 5,000 career rushing yards mark. Um, he's just looking incredibly comfortable in the 49ers system uh, and just very much gelling with the entire offense with Brock Purdy, Kyle Shanahan. Um, and I think obviously you're seeing the results of that chemistry materialize on the field. Um, and it's just been so much production and really the offense flows through Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, it has been impressive to watch, but are the 49ers relying too much on him? I was reading this week, I believe it was next gen stats that McCaffrey is accounting for nearly 44% of the team's touches that ranks second highest in the league again it is a small sample size here but again he's been so productive but there are other playmakers on that offense yeah you know obviously the the touches have been high for Christian McCaffrey early in the year but especially when it comes to the running back core I think you saw against the Giants on that Thursday night football game that there has been a very big effort to spread the touches around we saw Elijah Mitchell really get his first big workload of the season behind Christian McCaffrey. He had 11 carries for 42 yards. We also saw second-year running back Jordan Mason get in there as well. And, of course, you've got the whole wide receiving core that is also taking their fair amount of catches. Um, So, you know, I think the effort to spread the ball around is definitely there. And it's been a point of emphasis, so I think we'll continue to see that moving forward. Yeah, you are not hurting for talent on that offensive side. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. Real quick, though, Samuel and Ayuk popped up up on the injury reports this week. Any concerns about their availability for Sunday? You know, I think as of now, uh, Brandon Ayuk was definitely a – he was a limited participant in practice yesterday uh, and sat out that week three games, so definitely on the mend. Debo Samuel, I believe, is just some a couple of injuries that Kyle Shanahan said popped up post-Giants game. Um, I think, obviously, the time off uh, the long Thursday into the weekend uh, helped with a little bit of healing time, but we'll see how that develops throughout the week. He did not participate in Wednesday's workout as all at all and practice is slated for later this afternoon so i will keep you posted on his availability appreciate that now leading the offense brock purdy familiar to arizona fans here the local kid and he as much of a surprise as it was late last season there doesn't seem to be much of a surprise this season that he is the real deal he has not lost yet in the regular season has not lost yet at home at levi stadium now with him now being solidified as the QB, what has he been doing well so far this season? You know, I think he has just been developing well, right? It's kind of the same thing that you say about Christian McCaffrey after being named the starter and having that all-off season, albeit he was recovering from an off-season arm surgery and rehabbing. I think just knowing that he's going to be the starter helped the entire offense because there was a real big point of emphasis, obviously, to be building chemistry with all those pass catchers that certainly started at the tail end of last season, 
but to continue that on with a clear direction is obviously very helpful. Um, you know, and you've just seen him really make, in spite of dealing with the injury and the surgery, you've seen him make the jump that you hope any rookie player make in their sophomore season. Um, and you're seeing him just continue to build out his skills week to week. I think last week in particular was very uh, impressive just to see how he dealt with a heavy blitz attack and, you know, maybe rattle the offense a little bit in that first quarter, but you saw them settle in from quarters to and on and have a very successful outing against the Giants. So I think it's just continuing to stack the days for Brock Purdy, and he's stacking them very well. Yeah, career high, 310 yards through the air last week. Again, the 49ers 3-0. and oh. Before we talk about the Niners defense, if you are game planning against that Niners offense, help us out here. Is there a weakness? Where, <laughs> where could the Cardinals have some success? Uh, you know, I think you'd have to figure out a way to stop Christian McCaffrey and then the Yak brothers, as we like to call them. I, I can't give you any advice because when I look at that offensive unit, there are just so many weapons. It truly is a very stacked offense. And, uh, you know, if it's not one person with a hot hand one night, it's the other. I mean, we saw Debo Samuel have a really big game against the Giants, 129 uh, reception yards and a touchdown and then George Kittle had 90 and then of course Christian McCaffrey 18 carries for 85 yards and another touchdown so I mean if it's not one person it's the other I I cannot help you game plan with this one Craig <laughs> and then on top of that you have one of the better left tackles in the league and again it's someone the number one or number two player in terms of talent and also in terms of pay, basically at every position outside of your starting quarterback. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, I think that is a luxury that the 49ers are enjoying at this point. And I think obviously that is helped by the fact that Brock Purdy is only in his second year in the league and on a rookie contract. But yes, we have one of the best at virtually every position on that offense. It's uh, It's a solid crew, I would say. <laughs> And the defense is pretty good as well, and you're doing it under Steve Wilkes, former Cardinals head coach. Have you seen much of a difference? I know the players are pretty much the same, but with Wilkes versus Demeco Ryans, as far as that defense, how much of a difference of a look has the 49ers been this season? Yeah, I think a little bit of the Steve Wilkes flair includes a higher uh, blitzing rate, and I think that's something that the players are certainly enjoying uh, doing. I know particularly Fred Warner has called attention to it, and he picked up a sack in week two. I think they're really enjoying that part of that sort of Steve Wilkes wrinkle. Um, but, you know, I think the goal with the Steve Wilkes hire was to bring in someone that believes in a very similar defensive philosophy as the 49ers that you start with the defensive line and build your way back. I think it's very helpful that he is a secondary guy. So um, we've heard several of the defensive backs just mention how tactical he is and just the incredible attention to detail that he brings to the practice field. And you see that day to day. He makes on the field corrections we saw during training camp. And I think he's just created, um, you know, or continued, I should say, a very good culture. Uh, that unit is very much thriving in 2023. Nick Bosa is back and looking much like Nick Bosa. I read some of his comments after the game against the Giants and how he pretty much feels like he's back in the flow after missing all the training camp and preseason. And then the new addition, someone that the 
Cardinals head coach and defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rollis respectively have familiarity with, and that is Javon Hargrave. And all he has done, the former Eagle, is lead all defensive tackles with 18 quarterback <laughs> pressures. My guess is that yeah. his transition has been pretty seamless. Yeah, I you know, I think when you think of somebody that can just jump in and fit in right away, I automatically think of Javon Hargrave. And he's just made comments as well of just feeling very in sync and in tune with this defensive front very quickly. Um, you know, he's been incredibly disruptive through these first three weeks, like you mentioned, just leading all defensive tackles uh, in pressures and obviously uh, just gelling very well on the interior of that defensive line with veteran Eric Armstead. I think it's something that the 49ers were really looking to fortify in the offseason, and they made that investment and are seeing the early returns on Javon Hargrave. Number three in the league, number three against the run, number two as far as passing yards allowed per play, fifth in points allowed. Yeah, the defense, much like the offense, looking very good. But what are they saying specifically about the Cardinals offense three games into this season with quarterback Josh Dobbs and James Conner leading the charge, Hollywood Brown, uh, one wide receiver, Michael Wilson, familiar to Bay Area fans out of Stanford, Rondell Moore, and what perhaps the 49ers are looking at with the Cardinals on offense? Yeah, I think most importantly, the 49ers have never underestimated the Arizona Cardinals, and they are never ones to underestimate any NFC West opponent. Uh, obviously, very impressed with the win against Dallas in Week 3, and a lot of them had the luxury of actually staying home as fans this weekend and enjoying that game just from the comfort of their own homes and taking that in. Uh, like the rest of us do on Sundays. But, yeah, I think one big point of emphasis is going to be that run defense, simply because the amount of yardage that the Cardinals were able to put up against the Cowboys. Um, so it's going to be a lot of pressure on that defensive front to make sure that you know Nick Bosa and Cleveland Farrell are set in the edge and those interior guys are being as disruptive as they've been through these first three games. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly, I think, uh, especially with Josh Dobbs, um, there has been mentioned that he's a lot more mobile than anyone, you know, maybe initially accounted for. And I think they've just been very impressed with how he's been playing, particularly against the Cowboys, you know, connected on most of his passes. And then also, I think, accounted for almost a quarter of those uh, 200 plus rushing yards. So certainly not a guy to be underestimated or overlooked in any way. So they know that they're going to have to bring a stout defensive performance in week four. On that topic, as far as the 49ers against the run, 53 yards per game, which is outstanding, but how much have they seen as far as a rushing attack because the offense has been putting up points, playing with the lead, forcing the opponent to throw the ball as opposed to run it? Yeah, you know, I think that it's going to be probably one of the bigger challenges in week four, especially with the guy that you mentioned running back James Connor. Um, he's a, you know, one of the sturdier running backs I would say in the league and also had just a tremendous performance against, um, against the Cowboys on Sunday. Um, so I think, you know, one of the bigger rushing attacks is going to come this week. Um, but I think in terms of, the New York Giants, they did a really good job of shutting down a very mobile quarterback. You know, Daniel Jones is somebody 
that they expect to put up a lot of rushing yards and were able to limit him, I believe, to just five on two carries. Um, so I think teams are knowing maybe not to try too hard on the run game. And But like you said, they've also had to just force teams into throwing the ball in order to beat them. So we'll see how it all pans out on Sunday. Always comes down to the line of scrimmage. Lindsay, appreciate the information. I'd say best of luck, but how about post-Sunday? Best of luck the rest of the way. Oh, that sounds good. I'll take that. <laughs> Appreciate Lindsay taking the time to join us here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We bring Zach back into the fold, and you heard as part of that conversation the injuries at wide receiver for the 49ers. Debo Samuel, ribs and a knee. He did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Brandon Ayuk, who did not play last week because of a shoulder injury, limited this week in practice again as we speak here Friday uncertainty not only with Hollywood Brown but two major weapons for the 49ers on offense which you never like injuries to play a factor in a game but this week hey you got Christian McCaffrey you got George Kittle I could handle a 49ers team that doesn't have all of its weapons at their disposal yeah listen you never want any sorts of injuries and you never want it to be serious but if you know you have the ability to take advantage of whatever the opportunity presents themselves Case in point, last week, you never want Trayvon Diggs to go down with an ACL injury, but that definitely did help the Cardinals' offense. With Devo Samuel, depending on if his availability, depending on if he's available or not, that's a big, that's a big area you don't have to focus on as much. You don't, you know, that that's not going to hurt you if Debo is not playing. His versatility, whether it's in the backfield at running back or out at, or out wide as a wide receiver. He's able to hurt you in many different ways, and this is a defense that has been very strong, has been very dominant for the Cardinals, but they've also been facing some injuries, as we as we spoke about in the beginning half of Cover 2. Now that you don't have to focus as much on that, Brandon Ayuk, also a really good wide receiver, but Greg, you mentioned it. George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, the NFC Offensive Player of the Month, and Brock Purdy, who has been playing lights-out football lately, and I've seen even sometimes people are saying he could be in the conversation for the MVP if he continues this race. That's a seventh-round pick that they're talking about. So knowing that what the Cardinals have, I mean, knowing what the 49ers have on offense, and as I mentioned earlier, JG saying that their scheme is the best in the world, it's a big challenge that they have ahead of them. The third-best scoring offense in the league, the third-best rushing offense in the league, led by Christian McCaffrey, who is number one in rushing yards, number two in rushing attempts, averages almost 5.9 yards a carry. So, yeah, he has been very, very good. Although I'll say this, Zach, the Cardinals last season faced McCaffrey three times, once in Carolina when he was with the Panthers and then twice with the 49ers, just kind of one of those weird things after the trade. And the 49ers, McCaffrey specifically, did not play well against the Cardinals. In fact, you look at the McCaffrey's game log from last season, and McCaffrey against the 49ers, 27 rushing yards, 39 rushing yards, 45 rushing yards. For whatever reason, Cardinals had McCaffrey's number. Now, they lost both those games to Mm -hmm. the 49ers last season, but And again, this is a brand new defensive staff, different pieces along that defense. But if you're looking at what the 49ers or what the Cardinals did well last year against McCaffrey, maybe that's something that Gannon, Nick Rollis can gleam and try to move towards this year's meeting. And and I think that it's definitely a possibility because you have players on the roster that are familiar with Christian McCaffrey's game and they've seen him more than 
twice, which is pretty odd in the NFL season. I also think that it's important with Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rollins having limited him during the NFC Championship game and when, when they were back in Philadelphia. Christian McCaffrey was the workhorse for that offense once Proc Birdie went out with the injury. Christian McCaffrey was also not as dominant. It wasn't as much of a Christian McCaffrey game as you're accustomed to seeing. That normally leads them to an NFC Offensive Player of the Month. So they, they know what they need to do to stop him. But stopping him is exactly that. It's it's stopping him, but you can't stop the entire offense as a whole because you have a George Kittle, you have a Brock Purdy that now JG is going to have to see for more than just a handful of snaps, like unlike that they saw in Philadelphia because he went out early in the first quarter with that elbow injury. It, this is going to be one of those games where the Cardinals going into it, they're saying, we've heard all the noise. We heard all the noise last week with the Cowboys. We hear all the noise this week with the 49ers. We know what we're able to do. Brock Purdy is a much different, much better quarterback than what the Cardinals and what Gannon saw Mm -hmm. last season. He looks nothing like a seventh-round draft pick. He looks like a first-round draft pick with how well he is distributing the ball and how quickly he is distributing the ball. And getting the ball, what we heard this week was not only is Purdy getting rid of the ball on time, but he's getting rid of the ball as wide receivers are in stride. So they're catching that football on the run, yards after catch, which the 49ers are very good at. Debo Samuel, third best in the league as far as receiving yards after the catch. It's not just a throw and a catch and then turn. It's a throw, a catch on the run, which makes it real difficult for defenders, i.e. in this case, Marco Wilson, Keytrell Clark, Jalen Thompson in the slot. So that's going to be real key for this Cardinals defense if they hope to, again, surprise in the National Football League. It's not a bang-bang play, as as Jonathan Gannon referred to it, because he's hitting them in stride, and they're able to get those yards after catch. And you mentioned Craig Marco and Keetrell Clark and Jalen Thompson and Kayvon Wallace, and this is a defense that, while they've been strong and they've been able to wrap up wide receivers at some points, they've also had a lot of missed tackles as well. Those tackling woes have really hurt them because when you have a – Dowdle like the Cowboys did where he was three yards in the backfield and you have two Cardinals around him and you're not able to wrap him up and he goes seven yards down the field that is what's going to ultimately hurt you when you're able to wrap up and I hope that an emphasis this week has been on tackling because the Cardinals did struggle with that Kaiser White had 14 tackles and while that's impressive the fact that he had 14 and the next was key trial at 10 but after that the tackling, there could have been so many more. Jesse Lucchetta, who I, I like to talk about, had missed a handful of tackles. Marcel, Marco Wilson missed a handful of tackles. It's those plays where you're able to wrap them up and get them down right away that if you don't execute that, that's where the 49ers, that's their bread and butter on the, on the yards after catch. It did not look good at times, but if you look at pro football reference, they recorded five official missed tackles mm-hmm. three though by Kayvon Wallace and yeah. the Cardinals cannot afford that to happen this Sunday against the 49ers what they would also like to see on the four Cardinals side is James Conner Joshua Dobbs maybe a little Rondell Moore in that running game to keep that 49ers defense honest now it's a strong front maybe the strongest in the league but if the Cardinals can get somewhat of a running game as they've had each of the last couple of weeks 
that certainly opens up things and puts less pressure on the shoulders of Josh. I think if there's one area that the Cardinals could take advantage of that 49ers defense is with Javon Hargrave on that defensive line because he played with Jonathan Gannon in Philadelphia on that defensive side of the ball. And JG and him, obviously they had a good relationship back in Philadelphia. They, they, Javon Hargrave was part of the team that took him to the Super Bowl. Knowing what you knowing what you know and having watched Javon Hargrave for two seasons in Philadelphia, the same two seasons that Jonathan Gannon was there, you know his game, you know his skills, you know his with the areas he needs improvement on. Taking advantage of that is key. You have an all-world defensive end in Nick Bosa. A lot of the attention is going to be on him. If you're able to get up the middle and try to get by a Javon Hargrave who's leading the team in quarterback pressures right now, you're able to do that. The running game is going to be able to start flowing a little bit. It makes the 49ers more focused on that, and that's when you're able to have a big-time play to a Michael Wilson where he's able to get through in coverage like he did against the Dallas Cowboys. Hargrave not only leads the 49ers in pressures, he leads all defensive tackles in quarterback pressures. And a scary thought, Bird Gang, this week is listening to the comments of Nick Bosa after beating the Giants and getting a little bit more rest that Thursday game but Bosa telling reporters in San Francisco that he's feeling much better mm. and that rust has kind of been knocked off. Because Can't remember, another week? he did not play, did not participate in training camp or preseason. He was a holdout waiting for that contract, which he got, which was deserved. And now three games in, he's starting to feel like himself, which to your point, Zach, is not good news for the Cardinals. No, it's not. That's not good news. But he is going to have to go against a Paris Johnson Jr. and a DJ Humphreys. And I think Paris Johnson hit on something that not many rookie offensive tackles would would have hit on. And he said that during both of them are Ohio State guys. And their times just missed each other while they were at school. Nick Bosa just went to the draft. The next season, Paris Johnson comes in for his freshman season. And the defensive coordinator out there, Coach Johnson, would – highlight all the different tendencies from the Ohio State's best pass rushers over the years, and obviously Nick Bosa's in that conversation. And Paris Johnson said that a lot of the Ohio State guys have the similar tendencies that he was able to pick up during practices and whatnot during film sessions. And he said that going into this, he has familiarity with Nick Bosa from even before just studying film heading into this week because he's watched his game from afar and he's also started to pick up against guys who have had similar coaching to Nick Bosa up until this point in the NFL. So that's something I think will be a very interesting matchup. It's the Buckeye battle in the Bay. I like what you did there. Thank you. That was nice. Thank you. I added the, in the Bay. I put in the three <laughs> things in my, in my three things on azcardinals.com that I'm sure will be out later today. I put a Buckeye battle, but now it just came to me, a Buckeye battle in the Bay. Very well done. Thank I you. appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, Paris held his own against Micah Parsons. Now a, I wouldn't say a much bigger test, but Bosa's more experienced than Micah Parsons. And again, pay attention to where Bosa lines up, whether that's against Paris or against DJ. I also think that a big part of the reason why Micah Parsons will get a lot more attention than Nick Bosa is because Micah Parsons plays for the Dallas Cowboys. True. That's America's team. They're, they're, when the Dallas Cowboys are doing good, they're going to be in the Super Bowl every single year, according to the national media. So that's why a lot of the conversation surrounds Micah Parsons. But Nick Bosa set the market. For, for rushers and defensive ends, it's, it's well-deserved. And now that this task with Nick Bosa, that Paris Johnson and DJ Humphreys are going to have to go through, 
I think it's helpful that they did just go against the Micah Parsons because they they know what a fast pass rusher is going to do, an agile pass rusher, one of the NFL's best. It's not going to be a drop-off. It's not going to be, as Paris said, a Western Kentucky to the number one team in the country. Now it's the top talent week after week after week. 49ers, Eagles, and Dolphins all 3-0. and Can the Cardinals put a dent in that 49ers unblemished record? They did so last week against the Dallas Cowboys, winning that game 28-16. to Can the Cardinals do it again? Do it on the road, though, this time again. Sunday's game kicks off at 125. Pre-game coverage begins at 8.30 on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Good job, Zach. Thank you. You're going to go get a uh, an emotional support alligator now? I, it's already, or look into? Uh, listen, I, I would say it's in the mail, but I don't think that the the mail yeah, delivery guy. Probably not. I don't think he would be You might be have to go pick surprised. one up. <laughs> where the, I'm still new uh, here. Yeah. <laughs> Craig, where can you, can you tell question. me where I we can find him? I could be the first in Arizona with an emotional support alligator. I'm going to name him Molly instead of Wally. Okay. Or that'd be a her. I'm going to name her Molly. All right. I think this has gotten out of hand. All right. <laughs> you on that note, yeah, I did. On that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher, for Zach Gershman, and perhaps an emotional alligator soon to be purchased. Molly. I'm Craig Rayolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.